Well, good evening. Good to have you here. The snow is all melted for those that don't like the snow. For those of us that do like the snow, it's a sad thing. Um, this is like, I woke up this morning probably more excited than most of the kids out here. Uh, I thought, this is, this is it. We got snow again, and then it was gone by the time I left church this morning. Um, but that's all right. The snow came, and uh, we'll probably get like 75 or 80 degrees by next week. Who knows? But hopefully you had a good afternoon. I have a bunch of announcements, so hang with me, and uh, we'll fly through this. So if it's your first time joining us here in person, please stop by the welcome desk on your way out. We have a gift we'd like to give to you, and uh, just get a record of your visit. If you're joining us for the first time online, please um, visit our website. It's sptna.org slash connect. It's still in the process of working through, but you can fill out that form uh, or, or email the office at sptna.org as well. Um, two different ways you can get uh, less than a record of your visit for that. The Indian Mission is for our teenagers. Uh, great opportunity. Uh, instead of going and doing what they've done in Reno, they're going to do it here in, the, state, in uh, the city of Indianapolis. And so uh, Pastor Andrew has done a lot of work getting some groups in here, and then what they're going to do is they're going to learn about it here and go do it. And so a uh, great opportunity for our teenagers. Um, so make sure you sign up so you can see the QR code. Uh, if you need the QR code later, you can go stop by or you can ask Pastor Andrew as well. He can give you that. Breakfast with the Stars is coming up in, uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, 8.30 a.m. at Golden Crown Greenwood, and uh, there's a special speaker. I don't know who it is either, so uh, I will be just as surprised as everyone here, but you can sign up on the bulletin board if you're interested in that. Our all-church skate night is coming up. As Pastor always says, he loves this activity. Um, he will, I'll give you the caveat, he always says we don't always do Christian music, and uh, that's okay. Um, so uh, I guess skating to Amazing Grace is a little different than I'm skating to something else. So uh, Pastor will know all the songs, and he will be singing all the songs as he's going. And uh, that you'll get to see Pastor dan- or as close to dancing as he can get. I will look like I'm dancing, but I'm just trying to stay up, okay? I, I don't actually do it on purpose, so it's, uh, it's one of these. So, uh, But that's Monday, March 27th uh, from 6 to 8. It's $5 on, at Fun Factory off Meridian 465. So we'd love to have everyone that is welcome to come come for that. Our caregiver resources class um, it's always a great help for those that are uh, in this stage of life or looking forward, I mean, it sounds weird, getting ready to go towards that stage of life. And so uh, that's Thursdays at 7 p.m., starts on April 6th, uh, but you can sign up for free at sptna.org for that and uh, just uh, looking forward to that as well. Uh, the Celebrating Moms of Littles um, is Friday, April 21st at 6 p.m. Um, you can see some of the things they have. Pastor mentioned this morning that it's dads get the night off. It's actually the opposite, right? Moms get the night off. Dads, we get to take care of the kids, all right? And so kids, please keep them home because um, the Q&A will be a little different if there's a bunch of kids running around, okay? So uh, 6 p.m. on Friday, April 21st, you can hear special speaker Kelly Ruley, and uh, we're looking forward to having that time for the moms of littles there uh, on that night. Lay's Banquet is coming up as well. There's a sign-up out in the lobby. Uh, there will also be a sign-up sheet potentially by next week um, for the men who are going to help cook, serve, clean, all things so the ladies can just have a night uh, or week pamper them, all right? And so uh, looking forward to that, but you can sign up in the lobby, but it needs to be signed up by April 30th, which is a Sunday. Our missionaries of the week are Jim and Meyer Wright. As Pastor said this morning, they do furlough replacement. So when a missionary comes off the field, they go replace them on the field to keep the church growing, preaching, and that kind of stuff. Um, they had a quick trip that came out, out of the blue. Um, the co-ops are in South Korea, and uh, his, dad, his mom is not doing well. So he's coming back. They're leaving um, three days from now, Wednesday, on the 15th. And so you can be praying for them as they travel there just for a short time uh, as he makes preparations here, uh, but that they would have safe travels there um, and get acclimated pretty quick uh, for that. All right, go ahead and stand with me. We will pray, um, and then we will get on with our worship service. All right, let's pray. 
Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the snow. We thank you for um, this opportunity we have to be in your house. We thank you for the freedoms that you've given to us in this nation, uh, the freedom to worship you freely uh, without any fear of persecution or uh, any threats of any kind. We thank you so much for um, just your love for us and the love that you've shown to us on Calvary that we don't deserve. Help us as we uh, enter into your presence tonight, into your house, that we would worship you uh, through the songs, through the message, and uh, Lord, that we would just lift our hearts to you and that we would be drawn to you closer tonight. We thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Remain standing as we go. Go and join me as we sing, Complete in Thee. Complete in Thee, no work of mine. that chorus one more time a cappella right? I love that song and I want to hear your voices all right so let's sing on that chorus yay Love that song and love listening to you sing it. All right, we have birthdays and anniversaries for the last week. Birthdays and anniversaries, March 6th through the 12th. Anybody have a birthday this last week? Who are you pointing at? Miss Brooke. When was your birthday, Miss Brooke? Monday. How long have you done the Lord as your Savior? 
14 years. Praise the Lord. That's great. Miss Jeanette? March 8th. March 8th. How long have you done the Lord as your Savior? Um, not long enough, but 29 years. 29 years. Amen. And who... Are you not going to are you not going to fess up here? <laughs> Zach is calling you out. So. When was your birthday? Monday. Monday. And how long have you done the Lord as your Savior? Six years? Praise. Twenty six years. Twenty six years. Amen. All right, Bill. When was your birthday? When? Ninth. Ninth? How long have you done the Lord as your Savior? Sixty four years? Wow. Okay. Did I mention that I'm not 64 yet? But just, okay. <laughs> That's great. Fantastic. Vernon turned 84 today. So uh, pray for Brenda and Vernon. They lost their daughter. We've been praying for her. Susan was in her funeral was last week. But uh, 84 today. Now, uh, the the thing about Brenda and Vernon, you when when you hear the ages, you you think, oh, I must not know who they are, because they could both pass for twenty years younger than they are. It's crazy, and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, anybody else? This is the this is the week for birthdays. Apparently, anybody else have a birthday? Anybody have an anniversary this week? Any anniversaries this week? No anniversaries? Let's sing happy birthday to these young people. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Mr. John, come on up. Well, if you're able, please stand with me this evening for our scripture reading. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet. 
and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went not from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of the lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? May God's word sanctify your hearts this evening. You may be seated. You can go ahead and stay seat, seated as we sing, Like a River Glorious. Like a
strong and kind. Thank you, Miss Autumn. That was wonderful. Did everybody catch the words on that song? It was written up there the right way. I, when I was a kid, I used to sing it, Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do you remember me? Like it was a question. And it's not a question. It's the thief on the cross saying, Remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom, right? It's a, it's a do please, Lord, remember me. And so uh, take your Bible, turn to Daniel, the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel. We'll be looking there tonight. While you're turning there, I've got a lot of things that we're going to talk about tonight before we get to the message. We have an opportunity for a missions trip that's just come up at the last minute, and we're asking you to think about it so that we can uh, uh, get some direction on it on next Wednesday or next Sunday. I'm sorry, but um, so a group that works to in Utah to reach Mormons. It's a church, and they have they put on a soccer clinic, and that's been their best 
outreach into the community there. It's been a difficulty for them to make that outreach, but they've found that by having this uh, soccer outreach for the young ones, uh, they've gotten several families that actually have come to Christ and, and uh, left the church, the Mormon church, and come to their church. And so it's exciting to, to watch the Lord do some things. But they had a couple of groups that backed out in helping them, and they need about 10 people to help them to run this soccer clinic. And so they called Pastor Andrew and said, is it possible you guys would have somebody? So uh, Pastor Brett talked to his class about it Wednesday night. And there's at least six who seem to be committed to the idea. We can get there. We can see what we can do to add that. But uh, it's short notice. It's in June. And uh, so we would, uh, we're asking that the church would allow us to take some of the money from the missions budget, which we have money in there. We'd set it aside, if you remember, for, for missions trips and use this. Now, I'm going to just tell you, people, you know, some people, like, they bristle at the idea of, a uh, soccer clinic concept. You know, like, oh wait, that's not missions. I'm going to tell you that it is. First of all, they're going to, they're also going to take time to teach our uh, teens or our uh, college-age kids that go out there how to reach people and that kind of stuff. There's there's classes that they'll go through, things like that. But do you remember when Jesus fed 5,000 and 4,000? And some people, the Bible says, came back to see if he's going to feed them again. Uh, remember how Jesus would heal and people would gather all around. Uh, just so that uh, Jesus could have a chance to heal them. And I'm simply saying that throughout the Scripture, there's this, uh, this willingness of God to use things to draw people in that he might give the gospel. And uh, we do the same thing with TNT, Tuesday Night for Teens. Right? We use games to bring teenagers in, and every year we have you know, 10, 10 to 20 teenagers that come to Christ as Savior throughout the summer. It's a great, uh, been a great program for us, and so... Uh, you know, so I'm just going to put that to you. So uh, we, we sat down, figured it out, cost for tickets. They're going to house the kids once they get there. Uh, they'll take care of two meals a day, so the kids need to have uh, one meal a day. And then we'll need to rent a vehicle once we get there to uh, actually have, have a way to get around. So putting all of that together, it's going to be about $800 per person. I would like, I, I believe in having some skin in the game, so to speak, you know, so... Uh, I would like for us to take $500 of that off the plate so that those college students would need to only have $300. Either that they raise, or you can help them get there if you want to do that, or uh, you know, that they just have on their own. Uh, but uh, you know, that way they have some skin in the game. When, when, when people have skin in the game, so to speak, they, they take it a little more seriously. They learn something from it a little easier. So. Um, we're asking you to think about that, and next week give us some direction on that. We need to vote on deacons next week, so uh, if you can just kind of give us that direction as well, that would be great. An exciting time for us. Uh, this this would be a first first missions trip for this particular uh, group, so it's just an exciting thing if we could get that to happen. Uh, then, uh, just to let you know, the Klingemans have made it back to Guam. They're there, and uh, so you know, pray now that as they settle in. All of the issues that they're going to have to deal with now that they go back, uh, minus Caleb, is going to be a big deal. It's not, this is not going to be, it's not that easy. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, the Lord's made that happen. So I haven't asked Bruce if I can say this, but I'm going to say it because it's just the truth and you probably already know it, maybe some of you. But um, Bruce's job there was a contract job with a company, and that company was bought out by another company, and that new company did not renew the contracts. So he's gone back, 
without a job. Um, having said that, uh, two things are a blessing. One is the, uh, the extra money that came in as a help to uh, help defer the cost for Caleb's funeral and things. There was about $31,000 more than what the funeral costs were. That being said, there are some medical expenses that are going to be out there, but um, you know, also then Bruce's job is an online job anyway, so he can find that online job from anywhere. He doesn't have to be here to apply for an online job. So just pray that the Lord opens up that door. He's going to need that job in order to uh, maintain his ministry presence there. So if you would uh, pray about uh, that for the Clamans, I know that they would appreciate it. And then uh, two weeks from today will be our first time that we're going to move back to one service. It seems like, and you guys can give us some, you've got to give us feedback pretty quickly, but it seems like people kind of like the times of the services. So we're going to keep the 9.30, aspect of it so that you have a chance to perhaps get out a little earlier. That's always the nice thing about uh, that 10.45 service. Uh, we'll maintain that 15 minutes uh, in there between the Sunday school and the church. That still allows time for the children's choir to meet, uh, just like they're already doing, and that allows that to keep going. Um, Sunday schools will go back to the way they were back way back when. You remember how it was pre-COVID? So our ladies group is going to move back here. Uh, Chuck's group will be here. Darren's class will be in the fellowship hall. Doc's class will be in the upstairs. The teen class will be in the teen room. Uh, nothing changes for Brett's class other than perhaps times. Uh, and Sunday school is at 9.30 for everybody. Everybody's at Sunday school at 9.30. Uh, and then uh, 10.45 is going to be the morning service. So we're looking forward to that. It allows special music. You know, if you happen to be in, in special music, like I'll you bring up Doc because I already brought him up. So if Doc's thing is special, something's happening with his class during the service until he gets there. And we usually don't use our special music until right before the, the uh, service or the sermon. And so... You know, it's like you're taking up 20 minutes of Sunday school already, so it's just been no awkward. It allows people who want to be in the orchestra to be in the orchestra. You don't have to split between that. And so if you're interested, if you play an instrument, you ought to use it for the glory of God and do some things like that. So it just gives some immediate things like that. We're going to go back to passing an offering plate. That may seem really awkward for you, but we're going to go back to passing an offering plate. And uh, so um, it, it just helps... It just helps the guys in, in um, maintaining where the monies are and those things that are happening. So, uh, they'll be off. so with that, we need ushers immediately. Uh, so Brother Ken is going to schedule ushers. Uh, we'd like to have five guys in here, two guys over there uh, in, in order to do the ushering. So if you're willing to help out with ushering, I'm going to tell you something. This is me. This is not Bible. This is totally your pastor. You can get annoyed with me if you want, uh, but I like for you to wear a jacket and tie when you're going to be an usher. People are handing thousands of dollars off to you, and, and you know I think we ought to look like we ha know what we're doing with it. That's just my opinion. So uh, I, I ask that of you. So if you say, if that is a deal breaker for me, pastor, then you just miss out on the blessing of being an usher. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's Get over it. It's uh, for an hour of your week. I figure it's uh, something you can learn how to do. But that's just me. And I'm not preaching like it's, you know, if you don't wear a jacket and tie, you're not, you know, you're not 
not right with God, if you don't believe me, then come on Wednesdays. None of us wear jackets and ties. So, uh, you know, it's not, we're not trying to say any of that. We just, I just like the professional look. And uh, so anyway, that's just me. You can disagree with me. I know uh, over the years, many have on, Pastor, why do we have to wear a jacket and tie? I don't know. I, I really don't understand ties. I'm just being honest. I don't. I don't understand them. I mean, it's like the closest thing to decoration that we encourage men to wear, right? Here, decorate yourself with a tie. So I usually, I mean, I often wear bright ties, right? Because one time, you know, somebody said I looked like an Easter egg just recently. Pastor, you, you look like an Easter egg. Thank you. That was the look I was going for. You know, I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. So we're in Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 1. We're going to walk ourselves through this passage of Scripture. And it's a passage that you're familiar with. I want us to, I believe that there's practical sides to the Scripture. We can learn history and we can learn doctrine. Doctrine is important. History is important. But in the end, we ought to be able to make an application of God's truth to our lives. We ought to learn something from it. And so that's what we're setting out to do as we look at Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar, this would be actually the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, all right, just so you know. Uh, they say your father Nebuchadnezzar, but they also say your father David, five kings away from David, about, you know, about the Israeli, uh, the Jewish kings. So uh, just so you're aware, that's just the terminology of it. The king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look at this passage to see what about ourselves, what we might need to learn and how we might grow and help us to be able to uh, see you and you at work in our lives. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Belshazzar, and he is, he is literally like daring God to do something. Have you ever known somebody that does that? I mean, I'm going to do what's wrong, and I know it's wrong, and I don't care who knows it, what he's literally doing is we're having this feast and it pops into his head, let's just humiliate the God of the Jewish people. Let's drag all of the things that we took out of his temple and let's, let's use it in our revelry that's going on here. And he is, he is like daring God to do something. I mean, he is, he, he is just it's totally, totally trying to uh, humiliate the, the Jewish people and the God of the Jews. Mocking God as we look at verse 4. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. That's the gods that they praised. Not the God, the one true and living God, the God of heaven, not the Almighty, but they were mocking and making fun of that God as they're drinking out of his vessels. And uh, so look at verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. Now, I'm not, in my mind, for years I've heard this. I heard this first when I was a kid, and I'm thinking, this, is, this story was almost creepy when I was a kid, right? The fingers of a man's hand just start to, start to appear, and, and they begin to write 
uh, on the wall. It says, and over and wrote over against the candlesticks upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. I have no idea if it was like an extra large hand, if it was, I don't know. That's just what the Bible says, right? The fingers of a man's hand is what the king sees. Now, that right there, that would be enough to get you thinking, don't you think? I mean, at this point, I, although, although I'll tell you that this is a drunken, re, drunken revelry, so maybe they're accustomed to seeing strange things. I don't know. Uh, but that right there and that would be enough to say, whoa, what is going on? Uh, I hope that uh, we would never have to experience something like that. But that's what begins to happen. The same hour that they're doing all of this, this is what happens. Verse 6, then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. I mean, literally, his legs buckle, right? That's what's happening here. His knees are shaken together and his, you know, his, his uh, hips are... Oh, he, he is just about to go because, well, you can imagine why, because he's seeing this uh, hand writing on the wall. Then the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spake and said to the men of Babylon, Whoso shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and, the, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men and they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. You'd have thought maybe somebody would have just tried to pretend it, right? Uh, you know, I suppose when, you're, when you are in a kingdom where if you get caught in your lie, you die, you might not do that readily, but... Uh, anyway, so in, in America today, that would surely be what a politician would do, would just come up with a lie. But uh, anyway, that's another, that's another sermon altogether. Then was, was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, by reason of... Can you remember another time in the Bible? Uh, it's been two or three times. Can you remember any other time where, where uh, the queen comes, steps up and gives good advice? Esther, that's one. I think of, and, and queen may not be the right terminology here, but I think of Pontius Pilate and his wife who said, hey, don't do anything with this man. Talking about Jesus, right? Uh, don't, this, is, this, is, this is dangerous, stay away. So anyway, that's what the queen steps in by reason of the words of, the, of the king of the, and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake to the king, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in the kingdom. Now catch this, because we looked at this last week in chapter 4, as we're looking at Nebuchadnezzar. They keep referring to Daniel this same way. They don't get it. They just don't get it. It says, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. True or false? That's what they say true, but it is not true. It is false. It is, the, it is in whom is the truth of the one true and living God, not these gods that they're talking about, the gods of silver and gold and whatever else that they're, uh, that they're worshiping out there. They don't get it, but they do recognize that Daniel has wisdom. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made the master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Um, so here, here is, uh, by the way, this is a whole other thing. Can I just open a can of worms? We're not going to discuss it. But how do you feel about Daniel accepting the title 
of the master of the astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers and magicians. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was given to him. That was the title that was given to him. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, remember, he actually finally came to the conclusion that there is a high and almighty God, and let him be praised above everyone else. He, he finally comes to that, but somehow Belshazzar misses out on all of that, uh, and he has to be reminded by his wife. Anyway, it says, For as much as an excellent spirit, and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, and showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts, were found in this same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought out of Jewry? I have heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known the interpretation, but they couldn't do it. Verse 16. I have heard of thee that thou canst make the interpretation, dissolve the doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing, make known unto me the interpretation. Verse 17, then Daniel, and here it comes, then Daniel said before the king, first of all, here's what he says, let thy gifts be to thyself. He says, keep the robe, keep the necklace, I don't need it. Yeah, you understand? I mean, Daniel is not here for, the, for that praise. Now, he's going to get it anyway, but he's not here for that praise. He says, keep it, king. Keep it to thyself. Uh, give thy rewards to another. Yet will I, I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king. Now look what Daniel says. The most high God. Daniel's trying to get them on target here. Focus on this. The most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father kingdom and majesty, and glory, and honor. He is saying to Belshazzar, the same thing that you think you have on your own power is the same way your grandfather was thinking, and it wasn't true then, and it's not true now. The God of heaven gave the kingdom to you. That God gave it to Nebuchadnezzar, and that God gave it to you. He's trying to, to bring their thoughts to where they belong, to where they ought to be there. For the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages, trembled and feared before him, whom he, would slew, whom he slew, I'm sorry, whom he would he slew, and whom he would he kept alive. And whom he would he set up, and whom he would he put down. God, can I point this out? Where does, where does the politician in America get his power? It's the, we, we like to think it's of the people, by the people, for the people. But the reality is, there is no power but comes from God. Period. Period. And if God decides Washington is gone, you understand how this works? If God decides we no longer have the people in power, that's, it's, God has that power. God is working for all of us, including the leaders. I hope some of them might be listening. Including the leaders in Washington and in Indianapolis, God is working to bring them to an understanding of who he is, that, he, that they would bow themselves to his authority. And remember what he did last week for Nebuchadnezzar? I love the cliffhanger we got in Daniel chapter 6 today. Did you notice that? You've got to come back next week to find out what happens to Daniel. They threw him in the lion's den. See you later. <laughs> We call that a cliffhanger. So if you don't know, you have to come back next week and find it out. But anyway, uh, that, 
you know, that's what happened with, with Nebuchadnezzar. And he, he would not bow, and he would not bow, and he would not bow, and he would not bow. And God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to go crazy for seven years, crawling around on all fours, acting like a wild beast, uh, uh, living out in the woods. And, and he is literally like the, the proverbial foaming at the mouth guy. And he humbled Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible teaches us that, right? God exalts whom he will, but he humbles every time the proud. He abases the proud. That's what the Bible teaches. And Daniel's about to deliver another one of those kinds of messages. For the majesty that he gave him, all the people and nations trembled before him. It was all from God. Verse 20, but when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from the kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild asses and they fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled. Listen, can I just point out this? What did Daniel do to make that happen to Nebuchadnezzar? Nothing. Nothing. What did Daniel do to get Belshazzar to this point? Nothing. Can you and I trust God to do what we can't do? Now, I'm not suggesting we don't vote. That is a different story. We can talk about that. We have an obligation by God to be involved in the process. But the reality is, I can't humble people, and it's not my job to do so. It is not my job to try and force people into a certain mindset. But we have a God, a high God, a mighty God, who is in charge, and all power is coming from Him. And when God says, okay, you're done, just move out of the way. And that's what Daniel has to do now a second time as he's dealing with Belshazzar. goes on, uh, it says, until he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart. I want to stop here. Because this is the practical side of this. I'm asking us. Have we humbled our heart? Wednesday in our study, we're looking at you know, how to get ourselves ready to be used by God. And it's a little book that I'm using. It's called uh, Take the Lead. And it's been a good little study. And one of the, uh, I can't remember if it was number nine or number ten, but one of them is literally to humble ourselves before God. That's what one of the steps is. If we're going to be used by God, we have got to be, come to the place where we recognize God's authority over our lives and we quit trying to fight God's authority all of the time. And I say this to, to Christians because the reality is Christians are fighting this battle. How often are we, are we like Belshazzar? We're not quite as overt and we're not quite as in your face, but in essence... We're daring God to do anything about the idea that we will not bow our knee to his authority. And God is saying, do this, act this way, speak these words, etc., etc., and we keep fighting God on it. We may as well just take the, the vessels out of God's house and use them to, to worship other gods. That's what we're doing. It's an in-your-face to the Savior of our soul. And uh, you know what God's willing to do to humble us? It's a lot. So he says, Thou, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart 
Though thou knewest all this, you knew about Neb, you knew what had happened to him, and you ignored it. You know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. And yet we hang on to our pride. We're going to do what we want to do, and how dare God ask us to do something else. And here's where we are, right? Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 14. Jesus is talking. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God has a way of humiliating us, of humbling us. Remember I told you about when I got arrested. God, God has a way of saying, all right, we're done. I, I'm done, John. I, I'm, I'm not going to keep playing this game. You need to come to some understanding of who I am in your life. Surrender your will to mine. We stand up. You know, uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Is it Acts chapter 5? Ananias and Sapphira. I think it's Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, remember the song, got together to conspire to try to cheat the church and get ahead. They knew God's power. They did not fear. They tried to cheat the Holy Spirit. Peter prophesied, and they both dropped dead. You know, and what happened is they came to church, and they lied. Now, the reality is they were not required to do anything that they were doing. Uh, but they, they, they said, we sold our house. I'm making up figures. We sold our house for $100,000, and here it is. We're going to give it to the church. But they'd really sold it for $200,000, and they pocketed the other hundred. Well, you know, Peter literally looks at them and says, it was your money to begin with. You could have done anything you wanted to with it. God didn't require this of you. Why are you lying to God? But because they lied, they died, literally, just right then. And God was saying, listen, I take our commitment to one another seriously, and we don't want to enter into this. Pride is an issue in our Christian walk, and God is all about humbling us. Uh, look at verse 23, it says, But thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of, of his house, God's house, before thee. And thou and thy lords, thy wives, thy concubines, have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver, gold, brass, iron, wood, stone, which see not, nor hear not, nor know not, but the God in whose hand thy breath is. Stop and think about that line for a moment. The God in whose hand thy breath is. Do you know why you're still breathing right now, at this moment? It's because God is allowing you to breathe. God holds our very breath. It is a fearful thing, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of a living God. We do not take seriously enough who this God of ours is. And, you know, we call it, you know, and I'm not against bubblegum, you know, but we call it, you know, bubblegum Christianity, where we just kind of come in and we just treat going to church the same way we treated going to the ball game last night. And we just come in and, you know, like with our bubblegum and our popcorn and wait for the show to begin. And we're missing what it means to actually worship God. The God we stand before is a great and awesome God. And we need to understand that he holds our very breath in his hand. If God decides that we no longer breathe, it, it just happens. It's done. It's just that. That's the God that we serve. And he says, you know, you've missed this. The God in whose, in whose hand thy breath is, and whose, are all, and, and whose are all thy ways, thou hast not glorified. Now, this is where we have to learn. Are we glorifying God? 
One of the second things that we learned Wednesday was that we ought to have an eternal viewpoint, right? That we ought to be thinking about eternity. We ought to be setting our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And it, it just begins then to make us ask questions. The way we spend our time, is it glorifying to God? Well, right now it is, Pastor John. Okay. So you gave him an hour on Sunday night. But what about, you know, all of the other hours last week? How many of those hours were spent in glorifying God? This is the God that we're dealing with. And he says, listen, God's going to deal with you, Belshazzar, because you have not glorified him. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Especially since God has saved our souls through his son, Jesus Christ, and has empowered us through his Holy Spirit to accomplish just what he's asking us to do. Verse 24. Then the part of the hand was sent from him, from God, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, upharsin. Mene, mene, tekel, upharsin is going to be a huge message, and we need to get hold of it. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom, and it is finished. And that, said, that was said twice, putting the emphasis on it, right? Mene, mene. God is not, now, David, do you remember what David said in the Psalms? He said, teach me, Lord, to number my days. Teach me, Lord, to number my days. The, the, the idea is that we ought to recognize that we don't just have unlimited time. We, we can't just live life as if, if it's, as if it's unlimited. So whether you're an 18-year-old Caleb or a 62-year-old pastor, it doesn't matter. Our time is not ours. And we need to number our days and use them wisely. And David literally made it a matter of prayer. Lord, teach me to number my days. Because this is not something we do by nature. And he says, many, many. God has numbered thy kingdom and it is finished. Verse 27, Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Now, here's the good news. Praise the Lord. Uh, There are some people who believe that here's how you get to heaven. Uh, All the good stuff I did over here, all the bad stuff I did over here, and whichever one weighs the most, if my bad stuff outweighs the good, I go to hell. If my my good stuff outweighs, that's not how this works. And that's not even what God's talking about here. But I will tell you this. This is a wonderful thing. In Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short. Same concept here of the glory of God. We're weighed in the balances and we're found wanting. But the good news is, Christian, that Jesus is the equalizer of this, right? We do not come short in Jesus Christ. I can never reach the glory of God that I need to be in order to be allowed to enter into heaven, I can't. Because I'm a sinner. I'm vile and wicked in the eyes of a holy God. But through Jesus Christ, I am made righteous. And I am... So God, God takes care of that balancing for us. But here he is. He's saying, you've been weighed in the balance and you're coming short. That would be true about everyone who does not know Christ. But even as a Christian, as we're looking at okay... Uh, now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as we're talking about Christianity here, and our Christianity is put on trial. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Uh, one, we, we have the foundation of Jesus Christ. And then we build on that foundation. 
And if we use wood, hay, and stubble to build onto that foundation, it's all burned away and there's nothing left. It's come short. It's found wanting. But if we use gold, silver, precious stones, then it endures the fire and it's left. And that's setting our affections on things above. That is allowing God to use us for things that are meaningful. Now, it goes on to finish out. It says, the one who has everything burned away, he is still saved, yet though as by fire. Right? Because our works don't save us. The works of Jesus Christ. The foundation is there. It's sure. Once we know Christ, we're going to heaven. But God wants us as Christians to build on that foundation something that has lasting value. And I wonder, are we found wanting when it comes to that? Well, uh, here he says to, to the king, Thou art weighed the balances and art found wanting. Verse 28, Perez, thy kingdom, that's that Eupharsin concept, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and to the Persians. God literally says, I've, I've, I'm, I've looked at your life, you've not humbled yourself, you've not glorified me, and I'm bringing it to a halt. This is the end. And, he, and Daniel, by the way, this is the second time Daniel's had to deliver a message that's just like this. Verse 29, then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet. They put a chain about his gold, of gold about his neck. They made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And now look at verse 30. And in that night, Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans uh, slain. Was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain? It was, it was done. In that night. I mean, this all happened. Boom. Lickety split. Unlike what happened with Nebuchadnezzar, who went out there for seven years, and God allowed him to, to rethink what he was doing, Belshazzar is like, you know why? Because the breath of our lives is in the hand of God. That's why. We need to understand there is a God with whom we have to do. By the way, take a look at how old he was. Being about 62. Yeah. I'm just telling you, that's what it says. Darius the Mede who took the kingdom. He was that's the next guy that comes in, I'm sorry. Uh, being about 62. So here's the question. We're not found wanting for eternity, right? If we know Christ, we have that foundation. We're not found wanting in that aspect. But do you remember when uh, Jesus was talking to the guys who were investing? He gave one guy ten talents and one guy five talents and one guy one talent. He said, do with them what you will. And the one guy with ten talents invested and one guy with five talents invested and the one guy with one talent buried the talent. And he says to the first guy who invested, well done, thou good and faithful. To the second guy, well done, thou good and faithful. But to the third guy who simply buried the talent, he said, thou wicked and perverse, I think it was, thou wicked and unfaithful. I can't remember the word. It's right in there. What is it? Slothful servant. Thou wicked and slothful servant. Found wanting. We have a God that we have to answer to, folks. A God who is worthy of our honor and our praise. A God who is waiting for us to humble ourselves and surrender yet another piece of our life that we're hanging on to saying, you can't have this. You can't tell me who I have to date and marry. You can't tell me what I get to listen to on the radio and television. You can't tell me what I get to watch uh, on, on YouTube. You can't tell me how I have to act, act around my parents. You can't tell me that I have to love my wife or my husband. We have, 
We have a God who says, I am the God with whom you have to do. I am the God who holds your breath. And yet, I have the authority, the right to, to demand this of you. And when we recognize who God is and we see God, remember in Isaiah chapter 6, in Isaiah chapter 5, he says, woe unto these people because they're wicked, woe unto these people because they're wicked, woe unto these people because they're wicked. And Isaiah chapter 5 is just full of that kind of woe. Gets to Isaiah chapter 6 and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And then you know what he says? Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. And when we see God as we ought, it becomes much easier for us to humble ourselves to that God. So that's the question. If God were to write on your wall tonight, what would he say? Would it be mene, mene, tekel you farson? You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Or would it be well done, thou good and faithful servant? Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. So many things to learn here in the book of Daniel. As we consider, you know, what are we holding on to? What are we, what have we gripped so tightly that we're not letting God have? Has brought God brought something to your mind that He would remind you that hey, He is the God with whom we have to do. He is the God who holds our very breath. And are we willing tonight, teenager, young person, to surrender to the Lord and say, you know what, God, you are worthy. You are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. You are worthy of me humbling myself before you. You, the one who gave your only son to die for my soul. You, the one who has made a way for me to live for all eternity in a place called heaven. You are worthy. Would we tonight humble ourselves before this God of ours? Are we going to hang on? Hey, Pastor John. God has brought to mind some area of my life that I'm just hanging on to. Pastor, I've been struggling. My pride has gotten in the way. I'm being stubborn. I'm holding on. I don't want to give this over to God. But I don't want to become Belshazzar, who in my stubbornness will not glorify God. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many, many hands. Thank you. Thank you. Let's humble ourselves before that God tonight. Let's, you know, as, as the song says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Let's let him have his way. Let's, let's not hold on to our stubbornness here. Father, many hands have gone up. God, I pray that you would forgive me when I'm stubborn and prideful and, and just stand toe-to-toe with you, so to speak. Help me, God, to submit, surrender, humble myself before you and allow you to be glorified and honored in my life. Be with each one that's raised their hand. Give them that courage to take that step tonight. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing together. 496, I surrender all. 496, I surrender all. Let's stand. We'll sing 496. The altar is open to you. You step out. Let the Lord have his way, would you? All to Jesus I surrender.
Anything I'm supposed to be announcing before you, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Brett, anything? Okay, anybody? All right, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed.